Hi, Risto here again from George Mason University. Uh, welcome to another episode of Playing with Research in Health and PE. Uh, today's guest is Brian Downhower. Uh, Brian is at the University of Northern Colorado in Greeley, and he is here to discuss a paper looking at uh, physical education policy, uh, and uh, we're going to pull from a lot of the Shape in the Nation report. So this paper was just published in 2019 in the Journal of School Health. So uh, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Risto. Happy to be here. And so I know that you had a couple co-authors, uh, Shafound Keating, uh, Peter Stopker, and uh, Robert Knight. Uh, and as I remember, Shafan and uh, Bob are both at um, um, University of Texas Austin. Is that correct? Yes, they are. And Peter Stopker is now at the University of West Georgia. Awesome. So that's a kind of multi... Um, multi-university partnership for this uh for this paper so that's that's awesome yeah um so let's let's just jump into this uh paper the study that you conducted uh wanted to analyze the previously published reports about physical education policy and your goal was kind of to better understand how pe policy has changed over the last 15 years uh which is an awesome look back um, can you tell us a little bit about um, the Shape in the Nation report and why it's such a good source of data for physical education policy? Yeah, sure. So the Shape of the Nation report um, has been published since 1993, um, and it's been published by NASPE, which is the National Association for Sport and Physical Education, which is now Shape America. Um, and it's been published in partnership with um, the American Heart Association and basically, these reports are published every two to five years, um, and they look at policies in all 50 states and the District of Columbia. Um, basically, what they do is um, staff members from Shape America reach out to the state PE coordinators um, and have them answer a survey about different policies in their state. And then they follow up with phone calls um, to make sure that they actually get data from all the states and then also to ensure the accuracy of the data that was uh, reported in the surveys. Um, so really the, the Shape of the Nation reports are, are some of the most comprehensive data that we have on state policies and physical education. Awesome, and I, and I think it's important to note too because I know uh, half of our listenership is not uh, US-based. I think it's important to kind of distinguish in the US um, all of the states have their own, um, almost like a jurisdiction for their teaching. So the decisions are made at the state level. So some states may have adopted um, the content standards uh, or benchmarks by Shape America. Others like, let's say, California has, have their own content standards that mirror or reflect almost the standards that Shape America has put out, but they're tweaked because... California wants to do their own thing. Virginia um, has slightly different ones from state to state. So PE requirements are different from state to state as well. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. And so I think that's an important point that there is no federal mandate around PE. It is done at the state level. But then you can even go a step further. And, and a lot of states are local control states, which means that even though a state has some kind of policy, um, school districts, you know, local areas are allowed to adopt their own policies 
And really the state policies are like a minimum guideline and then the actual districts choose the exact policies that they're going to follow. Right. And the things that we see at uh, coming from Shape of uh, Shape of the Shape America, sorry, with the Shape of Nation report, a lot of what Shape America says are recommendations, right? So they might say, hey, here are the recommendations that you should be getting to all the 50 states, but that's not exactly what they uh, may, may be doing in reality. And it might be certain states are close to it, other states are compliant, and a lot of states are not compliant. Is that kind of an overview that's accurate? You got it. You almost overviewed the whole paper, Risto. Good job. <laughs> Beautiful. So let's talk about that. You analyzed the Shape and Nation reports that you said come out every two to five years, and yeah. you used uh, document analysis. Can you kind of discuss what that means and how you went about um, doing that? Yeah, so basically we looked at um, five iterations of the report starting in 2001 through 2016. And the reports basically include um, sort of a background about the importance of physical education, the benefits of physical education, um, and sort of set the stage with some of Shape America's guidelines and recommendations. And then they do a summary of the findings um, to begin with in the report. So that could be like a quantitative summary of, you know, calculating how many states have certain policies um, and giving some percentages. And then also like, um, you know, calculating how many minutes on average, you know, states are requiring a physical education. Um, and they also at the end of the report though, have individual state narratives. And so basically they go state by state, all 50 states in the District of Columbia and they go through each of the policy considerations that were included in the survey, and they write a narrative. Um, and really, this is what we considered to be the raw data, um, because the way that the data are summarized in the beginning part of the report um, is doesn't always give you as much information as you want or need to run the kinds of analyses that we were going to run. Um, and there can also be sometimes discrepancies between what's in the narrative and what's in the, the summary up above. So we decided that the, the best data for our analyses was gonna be straight from the state level narratives. Um, and so that's basically what we did is we started reading those narratives, reviewing them, and then we basically did, did a couple different things. Um, if there was a numeric value in the, the narrative, so for example, um, how many minutes of physical education are required. Um, we are able to pull out those exact values. Um, and then the other pieces were basically a yes or no question. Um, is there a policy in place at, in that state uh, um, for this you know, policy area or not? And pretty much coded those as zeros or ones as to whether that policy was present or absent. Great, and so for the, for the article, you parceled your findings into four categories. One was state standards, then you had the second one was mandates and requirements, the third one was fitness testing, and then fourth is substitutions. Um, can you tell me a little bit about each of these areas? So let's start with the state standards. Yeah, sure. So um, basically that question was how many states have adopted standards for physical education? and basically we found that there was a significant increase in the number of states that adopted PE standards um, and all the way up to the 2016 report where all but one state 
in the U.S. had adopted um, state PE standards. And actually, since the publication of this, um, the last state to join the club was Iowa, and they have since adopted state standards. So we're now at 100% on this. And um, by adopting state standards, you mean that they have some sort of requirements that they should be doing that would you know, dictate what students should know and be able to do by the time they leave kindergarten or sixth grade. Exactly. That language is perfect. Yep. What should students know and be able to do in terms of physical education by the time they finish blank, whether it's elementary school, middle school, high school. And I guess it's sometimes for a little bit of the outsider to find it a little bit difficult to understand that, in fact, there are several states for several years that did never had any of that right? Correct. Yes. And actually back in 2001, it was 82% of states had them and, and it went up to 98% by 2016. Wow. Awesome. So, and then, um, you had the mandates and requirements. Yeah. So mandates and requirements, um, basically what these were looking at is, you know, is physical education required at the different educational levels? So in the U.S., we break it down to elementary school, middle school, and high school. Um, usually we're looking at, you know, 5 to 11 years old elementary school, um, sort of in the adolescent period for middle school, and then, you know, teenagers in high school all the way up through 18. Um, and so the question that this was looking at is, you know, do they require physical education at these different grade levels? And also, what do they have specific minute requirements for physical education? And then at the high school level, they go by credits. So like a 0.5 credit would be a semester of physical education. Um, and so then looking at the actual credits themselves too. And so we kind of had a couple results in this area. Um, I guess we can start with the good news. So um, more states, or we had an increase in the number of states that had credit requirements at the high school level. Um, so it went from 69% in 2001 to 82% in 2006. Um, which is a good story, uh, but the other part of that story is that if you actually look at the number of credits, the mean number of credits that were required at the high school level, uh, that actually didn't change. So basically more states were saying, yes, we're going to have requirements, but the actual number of requirements was only 1.3 in 2016, which is basically a little over a year of PE is required out of the four years of high school. Right. And did you also look at, because um, you, you said you looked at minute requirements, did you look at uh, what type of teacher is allowed to teach? Because I know in certain states, um, generalist educators, so your normal third grade classroom teacher is allowed to teach physical education uh, from K to six. Yeah, so that is a data point in some of the reports. Um, in terms of whether a licensed teacher is required to teach the subject area. That was actually one of the variables that we had some inconsistencies with in terms of the way it was reported. So we didn't analyze that specifically. Um, but if listeners are interested in, in finding that information, you can dive into the, the actual Shape of the Nation reports themselves and you can get some information on that. But yes, you're right. Like I know states such as California, you know, allow other folks to teach um, physical education besides licensed teachers. Right. And they've actually, um, there have been a couple really big school districts that uh, have been sued by parent organizations showing that um, they're getting a lesser 
uh, physical education and physical activity experience. And a lot of these had uh, really big um, low-income student populations. So they were sued for not providing a licensed PE teacher. So um, I think that's hopefully on the change in, uh, in California. There's a lot more schools offering that. But I think, you know, with tight budgets and tight support for education, I think a lot of them are um, I know a school district that I worked with um, tried to fix the problem by um, adding a certified teacher and having grade level physical education. So he had 120 third mm-hmm. graders out at the same time. They were taught by a licensed, licensed PE teacher, but it was also 120 third graders trying to learn activities with a couple unlicensed aides. So. Yeah, and I think that's a huge point to bring up, too, is basically distinguishing between physical education and physical activity, where we're actually trying to teach knowledge and skills in physical education, not just get the kids moving, which research has shown if you have a licensed, trained physical education teacher, they're going to do a better job of um, instructing and you know promoting skills and knowledge, but then they're also going to have higher levels of MVPA during classes, too. Yeah, and... Um... You had the minute requirements. Um, was that just like a yes or no? They have a minute requirement, or was that were you able to deduce like even deeper to see how that compared? Was it below or the same as the national um, recommendations? Yeah, so that was a good news, bad news story as well. At least at the elementary school level. Um, so the yes or no question of is there a minimum minute requirement for physical education that actually did increase over the time period um, at the elementary school level. Um, but the you know downside of that is the actual minutes um, required was less than the national recommendation. So at the elementary school level, SHAPE recommends um, 150 minutes per week of physical education time. And the means that we came up with were hovering right around 135 minutes um, across the 15-year time period um, with no significant changes. And then at the secondary level, um, there was actually no increase in the number of states that were um, requiring any kind of minutes, and the minutes remained right around 106 to 110. Um, So those were even further below what the recommendation is, which is 225 minutes at the secondary level. Right. And it's it's also important to remember that these are all state recommendations, so there's no physical education police in many yeah. states that you know is checking up on that. So, you know, states like California that have generalist teachers allowed to teach PE, it might not actually they might not actually get to even if they say a hundred a uh, hundred minutes, you know, a week or two hundred. Uh, minutes every every 10 days they might not get to that even though uh, to make clear that you're you are looking at what what the states reported right exactly it's just what the policy says not necessarily what's actually being implemented yeah so let's get to the third category which was fitness testing what did you what did you find there yeah so i would kind of bring fitness testing and assessment together into this conversation and basically we found that the number of states requiring some form of assessment in physical education increased over the time period, and the number of states requiring fitness testing specifically increased over the time period. 
Um, so that is, you know, the good news in terms of the assessment piece. Um, I would note, though, that the number of states actually doing it was still um, less than 50 percent. And so in 2016, um, 29 percent of states required fitness testing and 43 percent uh, required some form of assessment in PE. So although there's a positive trend there, um, I would say it's still pretty low if you think about the expectations in other subject areas for continuous assessment and monitoring student, you know, student learning and student outcomes. Um, the fact that less than half the states are, are still requiring any form of assessment in PE is, is probably not the best story to tell. Yeah, it would be pretty, pretty wild to uh, go to a back to school night and to hear your principal say in science, math and English this year, uh, we're not requiring any assessment. Right. Yeah, it's so, not happening. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, what about your uh, fourth uh, category, which are substitutions? Can you explain what those are, and then what you what you found? Yeah, sure. So, um, substitutions kind of get in bulked into this broader category of substitutions, exemptions, and waivers. And basically, what these are are reasons as to why a student wouldn't have to enroll in physical education. Um, and some of your common substitutions for PE um, can include things like junior ROTC, which is like a uh, like a military type training academy that um, students can enroll in in high school, um, marching band, um, things like that, and and basically and even athletics in some states, where basically if the student is is you know participating in these other activities that the state says those can be substituted for PE credit, um, which means even, so if there is a PE credit requirement, let's say in high school, um, those other activities can count towards that physical education credit or that graduation requirement. Yeah, I definitely had five days in physical education in ninth grade, and then I joined the wrestling team, and then I had four years of wrestling practice, and I never had to do any physical education, which, you know, I loved, but I think in hindsight now, you know, I look at how, how little I learned about dieting, nutrition, um, a variety of different physical activities, you know, it was very, very specific. So, um, those substitutions, and I think that they, um, were trying to get rodeo into that as well. And, uh, a couple of, a couple other things. In, uh, in California, that was the big thing when I was there of trying to fight legislation of letting rodeo become a uh, substitution. So Yeah, and I know uh, uh, Monica Lonsberry and Tom McKenzie have done some work on this, and they, I think they feel pretty strongly about not having substitutions, so I would recommend your listeners uh, look up some of their papers because they've written some good ones on, on the uh, not usefulness of substitutions and how they don't work as well as quality physical education. Yeah, those are those are really good resources. Uh, so, uh, I guess the question is: So what? What does this all mean for health and physical education in general? Yeah. So, I mean, I think I think the story is not um, dismal necessarily. I think that there has been some some things to celebrate and some improvements. Um, so, when we think more broadly about education, and you look back over the last few decades there's really been a broader movement towards standards assessment and accountability. Um, and this goes across the spectrum of subject areas. 
You know, it's it's trying to more clearly define what students should know and be able to do in different subject areas. It's then aligning the assessment practices so that we can get an accurate indication of whether students are learning the things we want them to learn. And then accountability. And I think that comes through really on both the student and the teacher side in terms of, you know, if things aren't, you know, progressing the way we'd want it to, then is there some level of accountability? And at least are we aware if there's some issues that we need to address? And so if you look at these policies at the state level over the last 15 years, um, physical education has made improvements in standards assessment and accountability. Um, we talked about the number of states that have now adopted standards um, and the states that require assessment and you know some form of accountability um, in there. And so those trends are encouraging. And you know I kind of see it to where you know we're coming along to the game with you know, we, we have a subject area that should be valued and, and it can be a rigorous subject area if we include these things and, and we've been making progress there. Um, the other side of the story is that if we really wanna have the kind of impact in physical education that, you know, so many of us believe we can have on, you know, a lifetime of physical activity, on, on skills, on enjoyment, um, if we want to have that kind of impact, we have to have the curricular time to be able to, you know, teach these knowledge and skills to students. And basically what these data tell in this study is that that hasn't been coming around over the last 15 years the way we'd want it to be. Um, you know, even if, if states are saying, yes, we are going to have some kind of mandate for any PE or minute requirements or credits or whatever, um, those aren't meeting the recommendations that are set forth, um, you know, from Shape America. Uh, and then even the folks that are um, enrolling in, or, or could be enrolling in physical education have these, you know, inappropriate substitution policies and exemptions and waivers. So, you know, really it's limiting our impact and what we can do in physical education. All right. So we now have, with your data, we have a 15-year look back, basically, uh, we can retroactively look at the policies. Do you think that, uh, or do you see this having an impact on future policy? Um, I would really hope so. Uh, I mean, one of the reasons, so so this is actually the third iteration, iteration of a paper like this that's taken a look at these policies um, over time periods. And really, I mean, being aware of, you know, where we've been making improvements and where we've had some success, but then also knowing where the struggle still lies um, I would hope that that would, you know, inform and influence state level advocates, you know, to get in there and, and keep fighting in state legislature and, you know, even down at the district level, you know, trying to fight for these policies that are in line with with what we know is best practice. Um, so, yeah, I would hope so. And so you you would think the people that could actually take this information and make the change would be those state level advocates, the people in the local, you know, APERD, CAPERD, VAPERD, you know, Colorado APERD, or even the district level asking, you know, PE teachers asking their districts to uh, take into consideration these facts and kind of lead, lead through like a grassroots uh, level. Exactly. So like here in Colorado, we have Shape Colorado. And so we do have people that you know, their job is to advocate for physical education in our legislature. So, 
you know, I would hope that this would provide some information that would be useful for them. But then because Colorado is a local control state where districts have a lot of say in what happens, I would hope that, you know, physical education teachers are able to take these data. And even if the state level policy isn't there, trying to, you know, shoot for a district level policy that does conform to the national recommendations and guidelines. Um, and I would mention one more thing that's kind of important in terms of policy is, you know, one of the cool things that happened around the time that we were working on this paper is the, uh, the National Education Policy, ESSA, um, was passed. And that actually um, talked about in, uh, education of the whole child, where previous iterations of federal education policy kind of excluded physical education. Um, but in this new round, um, physical education was included in the definition of, of a whole child education. And I think the reason that's important is um, physical education as a subject area now has access to additional funds to support quality programming. Um, and so a bunch of different title funds. And so I think that's important to get the word out that, you know, with this new policy and knowing that things haven't necessarily been going the way they should, that we now actually have access to more resources at this time than we have, you know, previously. Yeah, and I think I think you're right on spot with that. Um, I know when I was in California, Tim Hamill, who was the uh, CAPER president last year, um, you know, he talked a lot about knowing the language as a PE teacher, knowing the language of your district, knowing what an LCAP is, knowing what ESSA is, and knowing that, you know, if you're in a local control area, that you just need to show up to the meetings and present your case and present it well and that's another way you can get title four and title two funding and you know figuring out how to integrate technology into the classroom but knowing how to speak the language and understanding the rotations how those budgets work that you're in this in the right place at the right time speaking up and advocating for another aid or another position or you know, because that's that's where the the money is now in a lot of states, like you talked about, is it's local, and mm -hmm. that's where those PE teachers in those uh, in those communities actually have a lot of power if they know to ask the right questions. Yep, and there is funding; it's there. It's just a matter of whether we can get it for you know what we need or not. And I know Shape America, you know, ever since ESSA passed, has been you know, trying to build capacity in that area of helping physical education teachers understand the policy environment and, you know, what what can be done um, and how to how to advocate and, you know, secure some of these funds. So um, I would say probably the Shape America website is the best place to go to to try to find some of those resources. Yeah, definitely. So um, any concluding thoughts that you have, any kind of future directions off of this work? Are you um, are you hopeful of progressive change or kind of can you add some concluding thoughts yeah i mean i would say just that the big picture is we obviously believe in what we do we believe that quality physical education can have a positive impact on on kids um that's why we do what we do and so i i think that you know the results of this study in particular you know give us some some encouragement some some positive take-home messages um, and then it also tells us that we still have a lot of work to do. And so that would kind of be my charge to everyone who's listening is, you know, knowing these areas that we still need to work on, 
you know, get out there and advocate. Um, you know, let these folks that are making policy know what it should look like when we do best practice in physical education and, you know, fight for those policies, fight for those funds. Um, and, and I am hopeful. Um, I'm always hopeful. I'm an optimist. So, you know, I, I see some of these things, you know, getting resolved. And I do know sort of the, the status of our society and that, you know, concerns over health and physical activity have definitely not gone away over the years. They've gotten worse, if anything. So um, these are still very relevant, you know, issues. And so, yeah, get out there and advocate. And, and, and I hope this will, everything will start moving in the positive direction. Great. Thank you so much. Um, I really appreciate the paper and the work of your colleagues to go through and analyze all of this data because it's, it's nice to have that retrospective look to know where we've been so we can kind of uh, take an educated next step in uh, pushing some uh, action. Um, is there a, um, do you have a Twitter handle or any, any other sources you'd, uh, you'd like to promote? Yeah, so um, I am on Twitter, but I wouldn't say I'm the most active person. What's funny is I couldn't actually even tell you my Twitter handle, but Brian Dowen Howard's probably some version of at Brian Dowen Howard. Um, and I, I'm involved in that's, Facebook. That's what it is. I, I just <laughs> pulled it up, and that is exactly what it is. Great. And then I guess the only other thing I'd mention is you know, I work with the UNC Active Schools Institute that tries to do a lot of work around promoting physical activity in schools. So if folks are interested in checking it out, it's uncactiveschools.com. Awesome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate uh, you coming on and sharing your work. Thanks so much for having me, Risto. Appreciate it.